Hey everybody, welcome to the In All Things podcast. It's time to see God in everything. What is going on everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the In All Things podcast. We were off last week, but we are back and we're very excited to be here with you. If you're watching or listening, thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Mitch Frost and as usual, not always, but usual, I'm here with Pastor Steve Markle. Good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm great today. How are you? I'm good. You're great. I'm great. What makes today great? Um, you know, yesterday was an awesome day at church, uh, so I'm always in a good mood on Monday mornings when... Sunday was good. We, we had a lot of first-time guests, met a lot of new people, gave a lot of gift bags away to first-time guests. So that felt good. Uh, the crowd at the 11 o'clock service was one of the best ones we've had since COVID. So yeah, that felt good. good. Yeah, good it's a good day. It was yeah. sunny for the most part. It was sunny. So yeah. Good. Yeah. I woke up this morning um, to my alarm clock. You know, that sounds like normal, but that's not. Usually I'm laying there awake before it goes off. So I woke up to the alarm clock early and then went to the gym, had a good workout this morning. So Ready to go. There you go. Yeah, how um, about you? Good. Can't complain. Uh, last night was awesome at the well as, as well. Yeah. Uh, lots of new students there too, so right. maybe some overflow from the morning. I'm not sure, but uh, I think we had four or five new students last night, that's so that's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but it was just a good night. Everything was good and um, kicked off a new series there because it's Easter season. We're right. in April now, so that's right. less than uh, two weeks from now, Easter will be over. Correct. So that's kind of weird yeah, to think no, about. I feel like the year just started. It I always like happens. It, I but know. This year is I know. Like it feels like it snuck level. up on us a little bit. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But, but anyway, um, yeah. so how how do you feel like the the series is going at church? Challenge the norm. We're heading towards Easter in the Book of Mark. So how how do you think it's going? I would say it's always challenging when you do a longer series, like seven weeks, like we're doing. Um, but I felt really good about it. Uh, we've gone through the Book of Mark, like we said, and uh, culminates on Easter. So. Um, Every week's been different. Some weeks, miracles of Jesus. Some weeks, his teaching. This is just amazing things that he said that really flipped culture on its head. So I, I think the feedback I've gotten has been great. People really love when we go through a book of the Bible like this. And of course, like I've said, 16 chapters in Mark, and we're doing seven weeks of sermons. So you got to read all the in-between parts to get it all. But how do you think it's going? Good. I think it's going well. Um, yeah, it's been a while since we've done like a seven-week walk through mm -hmm. a book of the Bible like this here right. at Sycamore. So it's it's pretty cool. And and I think everybody, you know, believe it or not, kind of likes stories about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh, I, I kind of like this. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. I, some people told me yesterday, because yesterday, what was the uh, story that I covered? Uh, it was a bread, no, uh, camel and needle. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm blank for a moment. The story of the rich young ruler and some people said, I love that you explained some of those things that Jesus said, because I've always wondered, what did he mean by that? Mm -hmm. Like, a rich person can't get saved, how hard it is. So anyway, it was uh, good to try to go through that and just explain things uh, in a way I think that people understand. But most importantly, you know, um, the message of the gospel is just all over that. So mm -hmm. that's what Jesus is all about. So yeah, yeah good stuff. It's been good. Um, What's your last, Easter series you're doing? Uh, we are doing a series called Saturday, but not spelled like the day Saturday. Yes. It's sadder, like sad, the emotion, mm. day. Uh, tricky. Last couple of years, talking about Easter and kind of working on Easter for the first time on a church staff and all those things, yeah. I just can't get my mind off of what Saturday must have been like mm. for everybody involved. And so uh, we're doing a two-week series that kind of, we're not going to talk about Easter Sunday at all uh, because I'm inviting all of them to come to Easter Sunday. So, Correct. Um, and so we're, we're kind of painting the picture from the garden up until, um, you know, 
really Sunday morning, like before right, he came right. back. So, uh, cause that time must've been pretty challenging. Uh, the more you think about mm. it and put yourselves in the shoes, like disciples didn't know Sunday was coming. No. Well, you know, from our side of, of history where we are, we, we right. know Sunday, Jesus was only in the right. grave, you know, like, right. but they didn't know that. No. And so you got to think about just the emotions of what they felt and mixed with probably being in hiding and being scared because they Absolutely. were next. And all of that. Just, there's just so much. And so yeah. I've just, I don't know. I've been really into that idea a little bit. Right. Um, and so we're doing a series on it and it's been, and last cool. night was good. So. So you only get two weeks because you guys always don't have the well on Easter right. Sunday night because right. obviously people with their families. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so that's cool. I love that. So, yeah, it's fun. It's something different. Uh, it's a different take on, on Easter. Yeah. So, uh, we're like, really what I'm doing, and last night my message was really just telling a story. Like, I'm just descriptively telling the story leading up to these different things. Okay. So, okay. it's kind of fun, kind of yeah. different. Yeah. Um, and then last week was busy here at, at the church yes. as a whole. We had refuel oh, on Tuesday. Yeah, how did you feel? How, how did you feel about after that or about that? And Good. It, it it went it went really well. Um, refuel was an all day conference that we had uh, four main sessions with four main speakers, two breakout sessions, and uh, a lunch in there. It was mm-hmm. packed for six hours, yeah. but all the feedback has been awesome. All four speakers that we had, main speakers were awesome. Just different different styles, different. Uh, different approaches and everybody uh, just loved it. So yeah, it was a busy day. It was a busy week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going back the last week and a half has just been, I feel like just a sprint mm-hmm. through one thing after the other, setting yep. up, tearing down, but it's mm-hmm. good. I, I mean, it's, I love to see our building alive Yeah, and it is every Sunday, but it's nice to see some other things happening mm-hmm. too. Yeah, we went straight from refuel to the if gathering, which yes. happened here on Friday and Saturday. Uh, and the feedback I've heard from that has just been amazing. Yeah, like, none of us in the amazing. room were there, but nope. well, Jared was there. He was he was the the male. The viewers rep- are taking pictures a little. <laughs> yes, bit. Yes, for a little so. bit. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you don't know what if yeah. gathering is, that's a, a something. Her name is Jenny Allen, and she kind of puts on this conference yeah. every year. I don't know where it's actually hosted. I don't know where they. I feel film like it was it. Texas, but I'm not Maybe sure. Maybe Texas. Um, and then they do you know satellite. You can stream yeah. and stuff like that. So we put on one. Um, here at, at Sycamore, 88 women signed It was eight, about 80. 80? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that, I've just heard awesome things yeah, like, uh, yeah. from everybody I've yeah. talked to. So Shout out to my wife for uh, leading. And, and uh, there's a lot of organization. Went in mm-hmm. She had a great team helping her, but um, it went off really well. That's and awesome. uh, there was so much positivity about that as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I, it, was like, <laughs> it was funny yesterday morning. I saw a lot of the women in church like, Hugging each other and like, well, you still have the the retreat hangover and mm-hmm. yeah, they're like, yeah, man, it was awesome. They probably didn't say yeah, man, but they said yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah, bro. it was awesome. Hey, yeah. bro. <laughs> no, anyway, yeah, busy week. Yeah, um, excited for that. And and mixed in the middle of there, you know, just in our world as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. March Madness is coming to an end. Yeah, so, tonight, yeah, tonight, right? Tonight, we got North Carolina and Kansas. That's right. That's right. Uh, do yeah. you, are you? Do you feel on either side? No, I'm, I mean, kinda, I. If I was a betting person, I'd mm. bet it on Kansas because mm. I think North Carolina um, kind of celebrated beating Duke as if they won the championship <laughs> on mm. Saturday night. So I think they they may not be. I don't know. I don't think they're going to be as up for this game as they were Saturday. Mm. And Kansas just looked dominant on Saturday. So you know, but anything can happen. You never know. It's that's, one that's game. What's so much fun about March Madness. I, I, yeah, they come in hot, and that's it. I know. You never know. I really, really wanted. And I'm not a Duke fan at all, but I kind of thought it would be cool for Coach K to just go mm-hmm. out as a winner, winning yeah, the championship. Year. Yeah. 75 years old, still coaching mm-hmm. and all that he's done. But, no, it didn't happen. So, yeah. oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, on top of that, we have the Oscars drama. Yeah. I, I'm not, we're we're not going to talk about this I for know. long. We're like a week late to it. I do want to bring it, it up. Yeah, we, we, have, we couldn't do a podcast last week because of the schedule. Right. There was just too much going on here. Right. And 
Monday morning is when we record, and it would have been like the perfect time to uh, talk about yeah. that. But <laughs> I mean, everyone and their mom has weighed in on this mm, by this yeah. point, and like <laughs> so many podcasts have come out with whole episodes yeah. breaking down what happened, and I'm just like, okay, let's let's take a step back. Yeah, like we don't need to psychoanalyze no i think i've changed my view on it like multiple times i was first like he's wrong he's wrong he's wrong you know i'm like okay but when it comes down to it uh it was a moment right it was (laughs) an emotional moment that happened yeah uh and i and i i'm kind of shocked that it's still the topic everywhere you know like it's just like you know oh come on like there's bigger things happening well i mean like let's be honest i mean people are dying like crazy in the ukraine Mm -hmm. That war is still going on. We're like 40 some days into it. Mm-hmm. And people are kind of sadly, I don't know, like bored with that. And they'd rather talk about, you right. know, the slap than they talk. And, and I get it because it's sad, but it's just, there's so many other things going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And not that we should just sit here and talk about war right. and that, but that's a, that is much more of a serious topic than mm-hmm. what Will Smith did to Chris Rock. Yeah. No, I will that. say it was crazy. It uh, was. Me and Devi were watching live. So Which I, I, I you're one of the few live. because the numbers are declining every year. Last it's couple like years. It's gotten yep. less and less watched. But, um, this will help. I'm a big movie guy. And so, uh, yeah, we, we watched the Oscars, got McDonald's in my basement watching the Oscars. Mm. It was fun. We've done it before. Uh, and we're sitting there watching it and this moment happens and it was kind of like looking at each other like wait was that fake did that and then they cut the audio and you and it was just like oh my gosh that really just happened but you really probably if i I feel like if i was watching it live i I probably would have thought it was staged at first yeah we did right it looked fake yeah well the first time when i woke up monday morning and all these you know messages um you know uh, updates and alerts and i was like watching i was like first thought Absolutely staged, but then the then when I listened to the Japanese version mm-hmm. that was uncensored, and I was like, wait, wait a minute, yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah, yeah it was so. it was a moment. It's funny because I I've witnessed a few fights in my life at mm-hmm. school, at sure. high school and stuff, yeah, and like you know, there's the feeling when you're like in the same room as a fight, like you know, you can feel your heart mm-hmm. beating in your throat, and you're kind of like, right. that's what it felt like watching this happen yeah, in life. Right. Like, did that really just happen? I know, like it's just crazy. And then it, he wins, you know, best actor of the year, which is one of the yeah. biggest. Yeah, um, things you can win at the Oscars and speech was yeah. interesting and, and you he's know, partying afterwards, partying like it, nothing happened. Well, I, yeah, they now should've. I've heard that they were backstage yelling at each other and I, I, so, all these things. And, and but he won't be there next year. He removed himself <laughs> yeah. from the academy, uh, yeah. and apparently there's things that came out. They asked him to leave once it happened. He, he said removed no. himself. Yeah, uh, well, and then now once like you know he's resigning kind of, from a job, you're going to get fired. Right, from. but, yeah, but it's hey, fine. He stepped yeah, away. Safe I will say this: there's one thing that I do want to say. Yet again, I don't want to keep talking about this, um, but I will say his apology has been awesome. Mm-hmm. We don't see that yeah. a lot in no, this true. woke culture of hey, don't don't say anything if mm-hmm. you're right, if you believe you're right, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the way he's come out and, and apologized to yes. Chris, apologized yes. to the Oscars, apologized like that has been kind of cool. That to watch is cool because, because that's yeah. very uncomfortable. One of the things that drives me absolutely crazy is a uh, is like this president and the past president. Um, they never apologize. They never are wrong. They never say, "Well, I was wrong about that." Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you just never hear that. Right. Nobody ever. In, in the public eye wants to admit that they're wrong and it's refreshing when somebody does. Yeah, that's one thing I've heard that's been kind of cool is people are like almost shocked. Like, yeah. wait, he came out and apologized? Yeah. Like it's kind of making people take a step back like, mm-hmm. oh, you can own your actions and apologize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I think has been a lost art in our culture sure. a little bit. So I agree. But anyway, I don't know yeah. if you have any other thoughts on Will Smith and Chris Rock. But mm, I mean, no, we don't want to waste no, there's time so on many. Cause it's, I mean, it's, like you said though, I, I listen to sports talk a lot and even on there, they're talking about it. It's you know, everywhere. It's like yeah. everywhere and talking about uh, how he went up there and it's kind of like I don't think Chris knew what he was going to do obviously oh, no, no. but the slap was kind of like boom like mm-hmm. yeah, like that was a move like mm-hmm. it was he, could, he had no time to respond right 
Yeah, so there's a sports element of that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the thing that made us realize it was real was was Chris's response. He yeah. he didn't know what to do afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And like I, I would imagine because he was only maybe a minute into his monologue mm-hmm. that he probably had more planned to say. So, and so you, he was very you caught off. Would you have cried? Probably. <laughs> if I walked up and slapped <laughs> I you. Would have cried. If you were up in the, I didn't like yeah. the way you were preaching. I walked I mean, up and slapped I gotta you. I got to say, face. I have respect for Chris Rock <laughs> for keeping it together yeah, because mean, he got slapped by a yeah. man much bigger than him. Yeah. True. So it's yeah. kind of anyway. impressive on that front. But anyway, let's okay. move on. Uh, so at Refill last week, um, I got the chance to lead a breakout session. Yes. That was titled Leading Strong in a Post Christian Generation, which is a very fancy title for mm. what we're going to talk about. Um, and after doing that, um, it was actually before. You kind of brought up like, hey, what if we did that on the podcast? Well, yeah, if we recorded last week, we talked about right. doing it in advance, right. but then, yeah. We so, didn't, so, but I've done it now. So okay, so now happened. you probably have even more, um, to, more to say. A little bit. So, I, I how did it go? It would, good. I how thought many, it was good. Did you have like thirty some people in there? I didn't count, but, I think but it so, seemed like yeah. that. That was cool. And yeah, I heard it, good good things from the people that went. Yeah, I, I think it went well, um, and I think it. Your wife was actually she was in there, uh, and she was talking to me afterwards of like I think it started a really good conversation. Okay. Like it, it got a lot of people thinking, and so okay. I figured, hey, that would be kind of cool to do that here on in sure. all things, and maybe get some people thinking about this conversation. We might not answer every question um, or come up with all the answers to oh, this problem, <laughs> um, but yet again, if we get the ball rolling, I think so that's that's a good way. You to just start. said problem. What is the problem? Okay. Wow. Good way. What a way to start. Did you have any prep on this? Or? No. Is that um, a good way to start? That is a good way to start. Because so I just, yeah, we got to define the problem, yeah. right? Um, and so I'm going to say that word a lot. This is post-Christian. Post-Christian America is what some people say. Okay. Post-Christian generation, post-Christian world, all the same thing. Um, Tim Keller, mm-hmm. a lot of you guys have heard the name Tim Keller before. Right. Um, he actually describes it the best way that I've heard. So he describes it as a set of dots. Okay. So mm. everybody uh, up until pretty much this point has had a set of dots. And those dots are maybe what parents have imparted onto their children. You and I both had them of kind of, okay, I have a general belief in who God is. I have a belief that there is an afterlife. I have a belief that I'm not perfect. I have a belief, like this is kind of the, and they're mm. all spread out and they yeah. could look different, but this, these set of dots that most people are raised with. And so what church was for a really long time was if we can get them to our services, we'll connect the dots for them. Mm-hmm. All we need is that that moment of drawing the lines between these dots, and boom, you're good to go. Right. And so it's taking this, he I think he calls it uh, like furniture, like basic furniture of a Christian worldview. Most people had that for a really long time because we were in a Christian world. Um, I, I mean, you're older than I am, but you, like <laughs> yeah. it was weird probably growing up if people didn't go to church. Is that true? Um, to yeah. some degree. Or, or believe in God, at least. Right. Yeah, and, go and, occasionally. And I would mm-hmm. say even like mm-hmm. you, maybe your parents, it was even more, oh, you don't go to church or you don't believe in God. Yeah, like, surprising. Right. And so right. that obviously we know that we've gotten further and further away from that standard yeah. of everybody yeah. kind of being yeah. a Christian. We are a Christian mm-hmm. nation, right? Yeah, right. Um, we're, uh, that's not a shock that we're getting further away from that. It's no. just that's where we are. Right. But he describes it this way and saying, okay, this is, this is what it used to be, where if we could get a teenager or even an adult in our doors, evangelism was, hey, um, let me let me connect the dots for you of why these things sure. matter. And, and it made sense. Um, but he kind of poses this idea that now what we're facing is a generation that doesn't have those dots to begin with. So that basic furniture is not there anymore. Now it's okay. no longer, yes, I believe in God. It's, eh, I don't think there is a God. And it's not, I believe in afterlife. It's no, that's this life and that's it. And mm-hmm. it's not, um, oh, I'm not perfect. It's no, I want to be happy. So it's everything has kind of shifted away. Right, going to church is not the norm. No, not at all. And right. so that's kind of where we are. Um, and, and, and so this is the problem. 
right? And so this problem is that um, we are now facing a generation, and this is also an interesting part of the conversation, is there's nobody listening or watching this that this doesn't affect. Okay. You and me affects, affects everybody. Because right. if you're a parent, your students are, are living in this world. Mm-hmm. If you are a, a lead pastor, this is the, the the generation of the church in the future, right? right. It's, the, it's the church now. Yeah, it is. And if I'm a youth pastor, obviously right. it's important. Right. And so this conversation really does kind of fit every type of person because mm-hmm. this is, I believe yes. this is the world we're in. So so that's how Tim Keller describes it. I've heard other people describe it other ways, but I, like I think that. that's a simple way to no, put it. it makes is sense. There was these dots. We would show up, we would connect them. The dots are no longer there. Right. What do we do? Yeah. And so then it comes into the conversation of generations um, and and kind of how generations' motivations, what, they, uh, what motivated them to go to church, to believe in God has changed. And so uh, I'm going to read some of those examples here. Um, the meaning of life used to be to be a good person. And that was kind of the, the baby boomers, um, generation X, that kind of stuff. So the motivation was they wanted to be a good person because maybe they were raised, um, in a generation that kind of had that desire. They knew what the moral law was, the moral code. They knew what was right and wrong, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So their desire, what motivated them was to be a good person. Mm -hmm. And so churches for a long time would speak to, okay, well, uh, let's use guilt a little bit to show you that maybe you're not such a great person, right. but here's how you can be. And so a lot of people bought into it because their, yet again, their motivation as a generation Absolutely. was to be good. Um, and then it moved with millennials um, to be your true self. They're true to yourself. And so mm-hmm. that's when things started to come. Hey, follow your heart, do what you want, mm-hmm. do what makes you happy. That's when those that kind of ideas were introduced. And so then the church kind of had to switch its approach. Right. If, if right. the motivation is no longer uh, generally just to be a good person, now it's to um, be true to yourself. Okay, well, we need to show them what truth really is. We need to mm-hmm. show them right. you know, what it means to be true to yourself and right. all those kind of things. So then evangelism and church try to kind of change it, change Strategy. their mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Now we're at Gen Z, right, which is the current generation, if you don't know, that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. And the motivation now is to create your own self. So whatever I say about myself, that is who I am. And so I want to create my own self. Even if my family's never been that way, it, it, I want to create myself. Mm-hmm. And so I identify with whatever I want. I say whatever I want. I come up with my own truth. I do all of those things because right. my generation's motivation is to create my own self, to belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on generation's no, motivation? No, that sounds pretty accurate. I mean, I, yeah, we've been hearing this for a while, watching right. it. So uh, the church is usually a little slow to react. And that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't change the message or it doesn't change the gospel. It doesn't change any of that, but it does change the way you approach it. So mm-hmm. that's where we're at. Yeah. And that's one thing that I kept coming back to throughout the whole breakout that I got to do is I kept saying, okay, yes, I'm presenting all of these things. And some of you are like scratching your heads and wondering, okay, well, this is a little bit hopeless, but I'm not at any point asking us to give up the truth. Right? No, no. And I think that's where... That's where the confusion is. I think there's many churches that don't change anything at all in their approach, and they believe steadfastly they are doing the absolute right thing by not, and they call it not compromising. And they look at others um, that if they think have compromised because they do things differently. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a danger of looks just being pragmatic about everything. Say, so, well, if we get the results, then then it's worth it. Well, we got to not compromise or water down the truth, but it's. I think harder, trickier than it's ever been, mm-hmm. um, because we don't want to lose this generation because we're just 
stubborn about our ways, but we can't water down anything mm-hmm. that the Bible teaches. So here we are. Yeah, yeah. here we are. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's this other idea that goes along. Yet again, we're still kind of describing the problem here mm-hmm. before we get to some <laughs> solutions. Um, but there's another problem. So yes, the, the generation's motivation has changed. And so the way of evangelism, the way of, of getting people to church uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't work the way it used to. It works sometimes. We're not, this isn't an all or nothing mm-hmm. thing, right. um, but the, it, it's changed. So we gotta we gotta kind of come up with a new approach to this generation to speak to their need to create their own self. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then on top of that, um, people have started to talk about three um, big shifts that they see in the church in America. So three big shifts that they feel like has changed as we've become more and more post Christian. Okay. okay. So the first one is we've moved from the majority to the minority. So back in the day, like you, like we've already talked about and established, it was the majority to be a Christian, mm, at least to believe yeah. in God, at least to go to church. We've moved away from that. Right. Um, there's a statistic that says 49% of millennials and 65% of American adults still identify as Christian in national surveys. <laughs> yeah. But uh, a recent in-depth study by the Barna Group, I don't know if you've ever heard of oh, Barna, yeah. but yeah. Think Tank, yeah. Think Tank yeah, yeah, for yeah, All yeah. Things One Christian, of, yeah. and, um, and they put the number of young adults who are, quote unquote, resilient disciples, which I would translate as maybe committed (laughs) to 10%. 10%. So that's where we're kind of standing with young Mm. adults right now. 10% of young adults in America would say that they are actively committed, resilient disciples of Jesus. Young adult would be defined as probably 18 to 30. 18 to 30. Yeah. Yeah. One out of every 10. Mm -hmm. That's about what I would. Well, yeah, you would say. Yeah. 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 To me, that, that, that low number is shocking. um, In our culture and like committed, Mm -hmm. like that doesn't mean doesn't mean not going to church. Like yeah. that just means like committed like, to following him. Yeah, committed you know? to following him. Yeah, yeah, I don't, and I, I really wonder how much higher the number is when you go to thirties, mm-hmm. thirty and forty year olds. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I think there's been so much uh, of a sales pitch on an easy uh, believism. We've mm-hmm. talked about that before, but mm-hmm. this just pray a prayer, go to church a couple times a year, mm-hmm. and we, we're good. You know, and that mm-hmm. to me is not a follower of Christ. Right. I mean. So, well, yeah, and I also think too, and we, we got into this a little bit when I did the breakout, I wasn't even planning on going here, but I think because those dots are no longer there, that's honestly because so many generations that are now parents of, of, of yeah. students and kids, um, like they don't even have the framework to raise their kids in a Christian household or, or they don't want to. And so now this generation doesn't even know what to believe or what it means to believe because they're biblically illiterate, if we're mm-hmm. being honest. And right, like, right. there's adults who are for sure. But yeah, like, that, right. that's we're seeing that more and more of students who are like, I don't even know what the Bible says, to be honest. Like, I, and, right. and I like, at least for me growing up, and, and I credit this to my parents because there's a lot of people that I went to high school with that definitely didn't have this, these dots either. Right. But like, I, I at least knew the stories and I knew right. who Jesus was and I knew what the Bible was and I knew these, these ideas. I mean, they had you here at church almost every week. Right. Right. I mean, so, and they talked about it at home. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, and I would imagine you had the same thing. Well, of course, <laughs> but you know, it's not, that's not the experience. That's not the normal experience. Not at all. No. And, and now we're living in a world where it's like, hey, we'll give up really anything like just to replace church. Like, oh, you got a, you got a sports game or you oh, got absolutely. a vacation or anything comes above church. Yeah, I, I sadly, I, I don't know why on Twitter this morning, I was just looking and there was a post of somebody who said, I finally broke free from church. I'm no longer attending church with my family more, and it's the greatest feeling in the world. Mm. No longer under the pressure, no longer under the guilt. And then all the comments under it were like, man, congratulations. It's mm-hmm. such a good feeling, isn't it? You can be a follower of Christ without going to church. Mm-hmm. And that is a mindset. I mean, that is a very prevalent today, and COVID didn't help. 
right. because people believe that, um, that you can really be a full on follower of Jesus without ever going to church. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I think so. There's so much of that today. And then, of course, people that are saying the opposite that don't agree. Mm-hmm. But I think the trend is what you're talking about. The trends is just, it's not, not getting better. Right. So here we are, and this is what we do for a living. We work for a church, mm-hmm. and we're trying to reach people for Christ. And I think that the challenge is just growing and growing. And if we just put our blinders on and pretend like everything's fine, mm-hmm. and we're going to miss out on the next generation. That's why a lot of churches have gotten so old, right. and they're like dying. Right. It's because they have just put their blinders on, and we're like, well, we're going to keep doing it the same way, mm-hmm. and they just need to get with it. Well, they're not going to get with it. Right. They're going to either go elsewhere or not go. Right. And it's sad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think like with this conversation of trends and where the world is going, like, and, and going back to the parent conversation for a moment, I know we've talked about this before, but maybe just like if you're a parent listening, like every time you choose not to go to church on a Sunday mm-hmm. or not make your kids, I mean, there's a, there's a certain degree, there's a healthy degree of having right. your kids go with you. And, and every time you choose not to, because, mm-hmm. oh, I'm tired or, oh, we have yeah. this or, oh, I want to cook this breakfast. I don't know. Like, what uh, are you ingraining uh, yeah, in those I know. kids' heads? You know? I know. I am amazed. And I don't, you know, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but I am amazed at how many people uh, that are followers of Christ that, mm-hmm. one, it's a game time decision. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning, how do we feel? What do we want to do? Eh. How was last night? Yeah, like, yeah. There's a late night. You know, there's a late basketball game on. Probably just sleep in. Maybe I'll watch it on, online at 11. I don't know. Maybe. And then... The parents that come and don't make their kids go with them, like, mm-hmm. where's your kid? Oh, they don't, they don't, they don't really want to. They didn't mm-hmm. want to come this morning. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, what? What's going on? I mean, I don't understand it. Right. Of course, I know where I work. I know what I do for a living. But that wasn't the way I grew up. My parents weren't working for the church. Mm-hmm. It was just the norm. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I don't know where this is heading. I don't like where it's heading. It makes me nervous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, it's easy for us to, you know, sit here and oh, you got to get your your people here, but like. We can only do so much. Like mm-hmm. there's there's so much biblical precedent for what parents' responsibility is in the home. Like you are the defining standard of, for the most part, what kids are going to do in the future and what how they're going to grow up to be. Are they going to mm-hmm. see church and and faith in God as a standard and a and a, and a um, priority in their life, or is it going to be like, oh, well, my parents went, you yeah. know, once every other month, so I'm going to do the same thing. Like it's just interesting. And then and there's the stories of people and students that you have that come to the well every Sunday night whose parents don't go to church. Absolutely. So they're making the choice to figure it out for right. themselves, and right. they want to be there, and they want to learn about God. So um, that's encouraging. Yeah. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Yeah, okay. But All right. the, there's a lot of things about this generation that are super encouraging. Okay. But we got to get through maybe some of the defining problems first. Mm-hmm. Um, next. So we first one is majority to minority. Second one is a place of honor to a place of shame. Um, so for a long time, like being a pastor was like, oh my gosh, like you're the pastor? Like, mm-hmm. thank you so much for everything that you do. <laughs> and now it's kind of like, oh, you're a pastor? I guess I shouldn't drink and talk around you. Like, you know, like it's, it's changed a little bit to this place of um, from honor to shame. And like mm-hmm. if you if you go and, and look at what America was founded on back in the day, it was honorable to be a Christian. If you go walk around downtown cities, there's uh, scriptures ingrained on old buildings and that's not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And like uh, Ivy League schools, I don't know if you know this. Yeah, they most, were, of them, yeah. most of them were created to be pastoral teachers, yes, like, like, yes. like seminaries basically. Absolutely. And now we are so far removed from all of those oh, things. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we We've moved from a place of honor to a place of shame. A lot of our ideas, whether it be on 
abortion, whether it be on uh, gender, whether whatever, mm-hmm. has now moved to like the place of the moral low ground. Like now when we speak up about those things and we like, talk about those things, it's like, how dare you say that? Yes. But for a while, that was like the honorable position. Oh, yeah. I mean, so. you said majority earlier. It reminded me. Um, just with my roots at Liberty University, um, Jerry Falwell Sr. was known for one of the things, big things he did was started something called the Moral Majority mm-hmm. way back. And it was a movement to have the voice of Christians heard in the government. And it one of the biggest things was about um, standing up for pro-life. And, mm-hmm. and um, But now to talk about those things, it's like, you're still talking about that? Mm-hmm. Like we, we've moved past that in our mm-hmm. culture today. And uh, so anyway, I, I think the whole idea of honor and shame, like I've always been as a pastor in a place where I don't, I don't feel comfortable when people hold me in this high mm-hmm. standard and like, or not standard, but high esteem and use titles. I, you know, if people feel like they want to call me pastor, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I like being called Steve. That's right. my name, you know? Sure, and yeah. I think, you know, pastor Steve, if you don't feel comfortable calling me by my first name, but Reverend Markle makes me want to throw there up um, a little bit, but I get it. Um, the point that isn't about titles though, but I do know in other cultures though, there's much more honor mm-hmm. uh, given to mm-hmm. people that have given their life to ministry and all, mm-hmm. but no, no, it's, no, not not. <laughs> no, and that's not saying that I don't feel honored by yeah. the people in our church yeah, and people absolutely. are very kind and very appreciative and all that. That's, that's not what again, we're saying. General, we're talking yeah, about the culture, trend, right. the way the culture looks at um, pastors and Christians are yep. just kind of like, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, right. It's not a honorable thing. Right. And Correct. number three okay. is from widespread tolerance to a rising hostility. Um, so yet again, going back to the moral low ground, like now we're, we're seen as part of the problem a little bit where there are those posts of, Hey, I, I stopped going to church mm-hmm. and I feel amazing. And you're going to see threads and threads of mm-hmm. people like I did the same thing a month ago and I've never been happier. Mm-hmm. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There is trauma and horrible things that happen in, in church and church leadership that hear me yeah, when I say that plenty of stories out there, yes, any of yes. those things, but it, it's still this idea. Like we have moved from this place of, you know, like generally up until this point, pretty much in this generation, like people who weren't Christians, they were at least tolerant with, with what we believe. They were like, okay, you might be a little bit weird. Like we don't understand some right. of the things that you believe and the things that you say, mm-hmm. and it's very Christianese and whatever. But now it's like, no, like you, like we disagree with you openly and, and you can't say those things anymore and have those stances. Well, that, and that, 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 we've kind of, that moved. has been one of the, uh, to me, one of the most frustrating things in our culture is that we are demanded to be tolerant of everything that everybody else believes, but mm-hmm. nobody is supposed to be tolerant of what we believe, mm-hmm. what our biblical beliefs are. Like we're supposed to shut up and be quiet while everybody else says what they believe. And we're supposed to be tolerant of that. And, and to, a, to a point, like tolerant uh, tolerance to me, I mean, like, yeah, I, I respect your opinion mm-hmm. or you have the right to have a different opinion. I don't expect non-believers to believe what the Bible says and agree with my views. Mm-hmm. And I'm tolerant that our world has other views and that our country allows that I'm tolerant, but just what about the tolerance, the other direction Mm -hmm. of, can you not be tolerant of listening to what I have to say and what the Bible teaches and what our country has been founded upon Mm -hmm. a long time ago, but Mm -hmm. yeah, things have changed. Yeah. So, yeah. So what do we do, Steve? What do we do with with these things we talked about, these three big shifts, these generation motivations, uh, all this stuff, what the dots that are missing? You're going to tell them. What, no, tell what, do do? what do we do? What's the <laughs> Throw what's our the hands approach? up in the air. That's it. Uh, we walk away and we quit. And, no, I think no. we – no, we don't do that. Um, but here's the thing. 
uh, with generations, motivations changing, like I said, with the generation that used to be to be good, then the yeah. approach was, hey, we can guilt them a little bit and show them how to actually be good. This moral law that everybody mm-hmm. held was the Bible for a long time. And then it moved to, okay, I need to be true to myself. So then we showed them, okay, well, here's the standard mm-hmm. of truth. Well, now truth doesn't even mean what truth means because right. we live in a post-Christian world where, hey, if you define truth and it sounds good, then right. that's your truth, right? Um, but now the approach is identity. So because we, we are now in a, in a generation, in a world that is seeking to define themselves and create their own selves, and therefore they're constantly looking to belong and, and, and identify with something, something that mm-hmm. agrees with them, something that, um, you know, is, is trustworthy, like that's what they're looking for. Right. So now our approach with the gospel, with evangelism, with all these things is to show them where true identity comes from. Sure. And so um, that's kind of where the shift has gone. And, and yet again, Tim Keller, these kind of voices agree with this, that like now the approach when you present the gospel or the truth to somebody who is in this generation, mm-hmm. you need to start from this place of, I know you're seeking to identify and create your own self, but let me show you this identity that somebody else has already earned for you and can't be taken away. That's right. attractive mm-hmm. to this generation. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, interesting. Like I can almost... That's what Tim Keller, the quote is, Christianity is the only identity that's received and not achieved. Mm. Because of what Jesus did, we, we receive this identity as children right. of God. It's not something that we earn. Correct. And if you, can, if you can communicate that in a way of love to this generation, they're kind of like, oh, okay. Right. So I can, can be, I can belong to this community mm-hmm. and this group that, you know, and, and Jesus gives me this identity that is mine. Like, okay, right. I can kind of see this. Right. And so that's kind of how the the approach has changed, which is interesting. Um, and so now evangelism needs to provide the who they become in Jesus or who they are, who Jesus right. says they are. Um, that's kind of the starting place now if we want to reach this generation is speaking to um, the identity that they can have in Jesus. So I don't know right. if you have any initial thoughts on that, but um, I think it's super interesting. No, I think it even goes back to the sermon yesterday about the achieve, achieving idea is something that I think um, – most of us have struggled with in life. Like, what do I have to do? Mm-hmm. Like the young rich ruler, what do I have to do to be saved? What must I do? And it's mm-hmm. not about that. Right. It's about accepting the identity and, and the idea. I, I think, too, like, you know, they're not – this younger generation is not just embracing what their parents or grandparents believed. No. They're not. No. Um, but the whole idea in the past has been you inherit it. Like, if my – parents were Baptist, then I am Baptist. Mm-hmm. If they were Presbyterian, I'd go to Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if they're not anything, then who knows what I am. Yeah. But now it's like, I'm not worried about what my parents believed or what mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. And guilt doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, why did we go to church? And we when I was a kid, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And there was so much guilt involved of mm-hmm. skipping one of those. Yeah. And now People come to church once a month and don't have any guilt. No, it doesn't no, matter. No, because they have other stuff. Exactly. Yeah, right. So, so it's just, yeah, it doesn't yeah. work. Any, yeah, it's, no. it's just changed. So, so yeah, identity. Yeah. Real quick, I want to fly through. Um, Lifeway presents six truths to prepare the church for a post-Christian America. So for those of us listening, for us on staff and, yeah, and you as yeah. a pastor, I want to hear how you respond to some of these things. Okay. But these are six truths, six ways to prepare ourselves if this is really the world that we're living in. Okay. Okay. So number one. They say that true life-on-life relationships are needed. So their whole point in this is it's time to, uh, that we stop just seeing each other for an hour on Sunday mornings, but we need to really get outside the church and do life with people that are Christians. Like like vulnerable, open, deep life with people because that's the only thing that's going to withstand the, the test of post-Christian. Sure, think? I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's pretty absolutely. straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Number two, uh, they say we need to contextualize when appropriate, which is a 
churchy word. Yeah. Uh, but their whole point is in a post-Christian world, if that's where we're living, then most of the world outside of the church is going to see the church as weird or uncomfortable or awkward or not something they want to be a part of. So we need to do our best to contextualize and meet them where they are. So if we're in our jobs, which for us, this yeah, is our job, right. but if you're at your job, at your school, at, at Chipotle, wherever you right. are, we need to contextualize and understand that, hey, just inviting them to church, they're going to say, well, I don't have a good experience with church or I haven't heard good things about church. Mm-hmm. So we need to find a way to maybe not incentivize, but we need to like come up with ways to show them and contextualize what church could be or what, what Christianity provides for them. That's kind of the same yeah, point. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't know. It's hard to do, yeah. What that means exactly. Uh, I, I mean, I understand it, but I, I, I made me think about one of the things that I, I heard Andy Stanley say a few years ago, and I think it's really good, is when um, when you're talking to people that are not Christians, uh, they don't care. Like You can't just say, well, the Bible says this. Mm-hmm. The Bible says this. Yeah. In our preaching and teaching, and like yeah. I've learned, too, it's important, like you're preaching from the book of James, mm-hmm. James the brother of Jesus, the one who knew him personally, it was part of his family who watched him give his life and all that. This is what he said. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take away that it's in the Bible. It is. And it's God's word. We know that. But sometimes contextualizing in that way of like, yeah. these are real people. And like it's not just, uh, you know, up here, I'm putting down my fists. Here's the Bible. You must believe it. But listen for yourself. I, I, yeah. I don't know. The, the quote from Lifeway says this, in a post-Christian environment where many find worship services awkward, we need to go into their environments, not expect them to come mm. into ours. They say the church buildings and programs all have their purposes, but in a post-Christian environment, we need to think outside of the box to help people find Jesus. What does that mean, going into their environments? Like, I, 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 <laughs> like we've, we, we were talking about last week of just things we could do in the community. Mm-hmm. Like here in yeah. Pickerington, we haven't right. seen a church take on the community full on, right? Right. And, and what would that look like? I think right. that would reach a lot of people. And, yeah. and, and okay, like they're coming to us, not expecting us just to come to them on Sunday mornings. Like I think that's kind of where things are shifting. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, ne- the third one is, um, this is just a reminder. Yet again, these are almost reminders for the church as we head mm-hmm. into a post-Christian world, yeah. is the kingdom of God is for sinners. So this is something I think we all need to keep in the back of our minds. One thing that uh, religious people were really mad at Jesus for was that the fact that he spent time with people yes. that they didn't think were worthy of his time. Right. And we need to remind ourselves and go back to this simple truth that the kingdom of God, the church, the 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 message, the gospel is for people that need it. It's for the most broken, the most mar- marginalized, yeah. the most people that are lost and, and all those things. And I know. I even said something yesterday um, about somebody that came. I was like, oh, I wouldn't have expected them to come to church. Like, that's mm-hmm. what church is for, for the people that you would least expect, and that's what Christianity is for. And the kingdom of God is what we're talking about, building the kingdom. And so, yeah, I mean, that's just a, an obvious reminder, but we need to remember that. It's not yeah. about us four and no more. It's about growing, reaching. Right. Yeah. Lifeway says that, uh, yet again, a Barna research study shows that 60% of those who attend church, church once or more a week believe this statement. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. So 60% of the church agrees mm. with that statement, which means when we are now living in this world where there is, um, you know, L- LBGTQ and, and all these crazy things, we don't know what to do because we agree with the statement that, well, almost everybody's good. We're just, you know, by nature, we're, we're good and we sin a little bit. And so if that's been our standard for so long, mm-hmm. now when we're seeing these big ideas and these things that everybody's accepting, we're like, I don't even know how to start the conversation because mm-hmm. this seems so different than everybody's good by nature. 
right? right. So it's kind of yeah. it's kind of an yeah. interesting thing. It is, you know, those things that Luke Bryan's song, "All People Are Good." Mm-hmm. I believe, you know, I keep that, when I hear that song, that song, it, I'm like, mm, you know, know, like I don't think I agree with that. I mean, I like the the idea yeah. of it, but it's yeah. not right, right. <laughs> biblically. I'm like, when we when we pull out these verses and share the doctrine from the Book of Romans, it's like we are all sinners, and that's mm-hmm. our sin nature that we inherited from Adam. And it's not like we're generally going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a pull towards sin, and we just you know, and that's hard though in our mm-hmm. culture. People don't want to hear that. No, not at all. No, we're good not people. Not at all. And that's and saying that doesn't mean I think everybody's bad people. Mm-hmm. I just think that, that it's the idea, the mindset of like, and that's what the people in church believe mm-hmm. more than half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yep. Number four. Yeah, we need to learn how to filter. So Lifeway says, what what we need to do is we need to learn how to filter information so we can speak God's truth into a broken world. They say with pop-up ads, social media, and hackers, we're naive to think our kids have not already seen something inappropriate. As parents and leaders, we need to teach into these moments. We need to give answers on why God's ways are better. Hmm. So oh, it's kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, uh, I think this maybe the way they're trying to say, what they're trying to say here is like, stop with the big Christianese things all the time. Right. Find a way to speak you know, in a normal way, which is kind of what we talked about uh, in the last episode of swimming upstream, but not doing it in a way that's not weird, right? right, it's right. find a way to communicate God's truth and who God is in a way that's not like super out there and abstract. And because the rest of the world is going to, they don't understand that. And it doesn't make sense to them. And it doesn't make sense to me most of the time, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So find a way to communicate it very plainly and clearly and in normal language and filter, you know, in a way that the broken world is going to be like, okay, I can kind of understand So filter this. what we're saying, not what I thought the the point was learning how to filter what we take in, what everybody. I think it's both. It's both. Okay. Okay. I think it's both. Okay. So it's speaking into and filtering the things you're taking in, but it's also finding a way to communicate in the rest of the world that they're not going to be like. It's funny because you know, as I'm preparing sermons, I I have all my past sermons like in files on my computer. So I like do a search. Did I ever preach on this before? And sometimes I'll read a sermon I did on the same passage or topic. 10 years ago, and I will laugh at my illustration. I was like, wow, I said that, Mm -hmm. and that really worked back then. The world has changed, Mm -hmm. and that illustration would be so dumb right now. Nobody would even know what I'm talking about. Right. And so we have to constantly be – every time I'm getting up there to speak, and sometimes the last minute, I'm like, does that really make sense? Mm -hmm. Do people understand that in this culture today? Because that's like an old idea maybe. Mm -hmm. So I need to – I think that's important, Mm -hmm. and I think it would be stupid, unwise, foolish for us to ignore – what we know people are hearing and seeing in our mm-hmm. culture and just pretend like that doesn't exist. Right. Right. Cause it does. <laughs> it does. Um, yeah. number five. Okay. Everyone likes stories about Jesus. <laughs> so we actually brought this up earlier, but this is a reminder as the church heads into more and more post-Christian world, we need to remind ourselves that sometimes a good start is that most people can buy into stories mm. about Jesus. Like I think they, that's they why respond to who yeah, he is. So. Maybe that's why this series with Mark in the book of Mark is, mm-hmm. is so well received. Cause, and I love preaching the stories of Jesus. I think more than anything, um, you know, more than Old Testament, more than doctrinal st- stuff, uh, more than topical, just preaching the stories of Jesus are just mm-hmm. so, so exciting. I think it's funny. I'm, I, I thought about this, you know, doing the book of Mark this time of the year leading up to Easter. I was thinking about the next three years. You might have an idea where I'm going with that. But I think about Matthew, mm-hmm. John, Luke, um, kind of doing that you know, on a cycle because I think it just doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I think that's a good reminder. Yeah. Everybody in the world, you know. Right. Even if they, you know, don't believe necessarily, the stories are yeah. yeah. Somebody could never step foot in the church, and they at least know that Jesus is a historical feature or a figure, figure. Yeah, right. That, that taught well and yes. was a good guy. Yes. So it's like right. if, if no. you start there, yeah. I think it, that's pretty well yeah. believed. Right. Yeah. yeah. Number six, last one. This is a very simple one, but it, they said God is in control, so we don't need to fear. 
And I think it's yet again, it's kind of an elementary, okay, great. But like, it it is a reminder to come back to as you hear these things, maybe a conversation like this and you're listening and you're like, I am a little bit overwhelmed because it sounds like this world is lost and there's no hope. Like if you're feeling that right now, maybe this is a reminder for you. Hey, like, like God is still in control. He's not shocked by anything that's happening. Not a single thing catches God off guard. It's, It's just not possible. The big churchy word is the sovereignty of God. Right. Right. And like the last two years have taught us that if nothing else, if, and that's why some people have quit things because they've given up, they've gotten fearful. They, um, you know, there's people that haven't come back to church because of fear. There's people that have given up in ministry because of fear. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is real. And this has put us through it. We've been through a lot. So, but, um, now when you, all the stuff we've talked about today, mm-hmm. it'd be easy to be like, Oh my goodness, what's the point mm-hmm. We're might as well do something else. Right. But I'm not like, I, I, I'm excited about the next 15, 20 years, see what God's going to do mm-hmm. at Sycamore and in the church in general, because mm-hmm. um, as long as we embrace what the knowledge of the facts of what's happening, I mean, there's hope and the hope of Jesus doesn't change. Right. It's just, it's even more needed mm-hmm. in, in a world. So um, I know it's hard because so many people in the generation older than me, it's like, it's hard for them. It's more because they hold on to the American Christian values more mm-hmm. because of, you know, just the way they were raised mm-hmm. and Christian nation, Christian nation. Yeah. And I was growing up in that world and now right. it's like not right. I mean, everything that is legislated, everything that is talked about in the media, it is further and further away mm-hmm. from biblical values, mm-hmm. from what God taught us from the, from the word, from what, you know, so we have to live in where it's where we're living in. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not going to all of a sudden reverse it and make it a Christian nation again. Right. <laughs> I'm like, right. sorry, that's not happening. Right. But, I think when, you know, this is churchy probably, but where things are the darkest, the light shines the brightest, mm-hmm. something like that. Like we have, I think, even a greater opportunity um, as we go forward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I want to close with this because I, I don't want to end this conversation on like a hopeless note. No. <laughs> and, I, and I think that was great what you just said. But I think um, what we need to understand about this generation, because the dots aren't there, because they're not necessarily being raised in a Christian home, because they're not being raised in a Christian school, because they're not being raised in a Christian nation. If we can get them to see who Jesus makes them, the identity he gives them, and they understand and they believe in him, they really get it. Mm-hmm. They really believe. And I think that's something that is a really unique opportunity that we can lean in as the church because we haven't really seen that before. Like yeah. it, for me, yet again, I, I was raised in the church, came to church every week. Right. It wasn't until I was a sophomore in high school that I got it. Right. And when I got it, I got it. Right. But I'm saying I'm seeing seventh and eighth graders and, and young students get it because it's their faith and, and, and they've decided and, and therefore it's real. Mm-hmm. And I, and to me, that's the most encouraging thing because yeah. like if we can get them to see who Jesus is and, and understand what truth is and all those things and they kind of have that light bulb moment, mm-hmm. it's not like, oh yeah, they, they've always got it or whatever. Right. Like they really get it and that's right. really cool. And so yeah. I think that's just an encouragement is because because this generation is not necessarily Christian. If we can speak to them and be that hope and the truth in the middle of it, and, and they get it and they understand it, I, I believe it's a lifetime. Like I believe it's like they they really understand it. Yeah, I, yeah, I and, love and, that. And some of the the questions I get asked at, at you know by well students, some of the things that I hear and. And even students that will, you know, make a decision next week, mm-hmm. they're serving next week. They're getting involved. Yeah. Like it's just different than we've ever seen before. And no. I, and that's encouraging. To no, me. I mean, you know how much I've always loved youth ministry, even though I a student ministry, even though I um, did it for 10 years and haven't been doing it for the last 20, I've been lead pastor, but I loved going to camp with you last year. I love popping in sometimes mm-hmm. to the well, because it's so encouraging. And mm-hmm. I, it's like, this is the future. I mean, the future is now, mm-hmm. but you know, just seeing their 
they're going, I mean, very few of them are there because their parents are forcing them to come. Exactly. Yeah. They're coming on Sunday night, 40 or 50 students, because they want to be there right. and learn about God. Right. Some might want to see a girl or a boy, but sure. most of them are there yeah. <laughs> for the right reason. Yeah. They, they have the right motivations. And hey, if a girl or a boy brings them to church, well, hey, hey it's a good here. start, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, and maybe we'll just close with that thought. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, generations change, motivations yeah. change. Yeah. The world changes. Truth never changes. All right. There's and, so much with this. We this could have been a three part for sure. But so anyway, hey, rewind if you need to. That was a, yeah, lot, a lot packed in there. But just know that I, we're encouraged. Yes. I, I feel encouraged. Yes. I'm excited about like you said yeah. what God's going to yeah. do. I'm not at all like well that's it. <laughs> we'll just no. throw in the towel. This is it. It's hopeless. Yeah. I, I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. I, I feel like man, we we have the opportunity to reach a generation that maybe doesn't necessarily get it at first, but mm-hmm. when they get it. Yeah, game they on. do. Like that's yeah. awesome. So thank you for doing that, for doing that uh, talk, but also bringing it to this, and for having that passion for our students because it's key. Because so many people just kind of throw in the towel or say, "Well, just keep trying to do the things we've always done." Mm-hmm. But I appreciate that you're always thinking and always innovating, always reading, because things are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for bringing that to us today. I think it was a great, great, great talk. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening or watching, let us know what you thought. Um, as always, don't don't just yeah. be neutral on this. Agree, disagree, and take these things into your kids' lives, yeah. your students' lives. If you're a teacher, bring it to your class. Whatever yeah. you got to do. Hey. Like, this is a real conversation. Yeah, it's hate the mail. We, live we appreciate in. That. Hate mail. Do it. Do yeah, it. Let Come us on. know. Um, <laughs> but we're very excited. Uh, this yeah. series, this season is coming to a close. So we got a couple more episodes, and that'll what? be it. Um, and so, but I have some exciting things coming up. Um, conversations that I think will be really good for our church. So, um, see you guys later. Yep, yep. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for watching. Let us know what you thought. Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the In All Things podcast. Our challenge for you today is to send this episode to one person. Seriously, think of somebody right now that could use this conversation and send it to them. If you have any questions, feedback, or topic ideas, please send them to podcast at sycamorecreek.org and make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sycamore Creek Church so that you can always see what's going on in our world. If this conversation helped you at all, make sure you share it, leave a review, and subscribe so that you don't miss out on a single episode. We love you, God loves you, and we'll see you next week on the In All Things podcast.